Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Karina Bemisterfer, host of Morning Cup of Murder, your daily true crime podcast. Yes, you heard me right. Daily true crime. Every day, Morning Cup of Murder tells you a straightforward, short-form story about murder, true crime, cold cases, disappearances, serial killers, cults, and more. And I do that all in under 15 minutes. With over three years of stories and over 20 million downloads, the Morning Cup of Murder podcast has become a staple of so many people's daily routines. So why not add it to yours? Stream Morning Cup of Murder everywhere you listen to podcasts. And remember, stay safe. enhances the quality of good meat. In his way, the meat cutter is an artist. Poor cutting results in an inferior piece of meat, regardless of quality. While choice cuts of meat are more publicized, the secondary cuts are just as nutritious, and in the hands of a good cook, any beef is capable of producing gastronomic miracles. I'm Morgan Rector, and welcome to Human Monsters. Cannibalism, you are what you eat. In the Cannibal Hall of Fame, there is no shortage of heavy hitters. Jeffrey Dahmer, whose appetite was fueled by a fear of loneliness. Dame Catherine Knight, who literally had her husband for supper, roast vegetables at the dining room table, set perfectly for his kids, no less. And let's not forget Albert Fish, who tortured the family of his last victim by graphically detailing his actions to them in a letter of how he dismembered, prepared, and cooked little Grace Bud's petite rump. There is, however, so much more to cannibalism, and in this episode, we would like to invite you to explore with us the dark taboo that leaves most of us repulsed. Self-cannibalism. Believe it or not, this is an actual occurrence. The ancient belief that a woman should eat the afterbirth of her newborn is a tradition many cultures still maintain. 
celebrities like Kim Kardashian openly admit to practicing it. There is no scientific proof, but according to tradition, eating the afterbirth of your child can increase the bond between you and your baby, decrease postnatal depression, and increase nutrition. There are several companies out there who will happily convert your afterbirth into a tablet or powder, or whatever form you feel more comfortable consuming it in. Mumia. Of all the fetishes related to crime, cannibalism rates as one of the most revolting to most members of society. Yet, consuming parts of the same species is nothing new in nature. Animals have been feasting on the biology of the same species since the dawn of time, and apart from the fact that we possess free will and intellect, we are still only animals. During the 15th century in Europe, a magical cure in the form of a brown powder was discovered to cure everything from headaches, nausea or bruising, and hemorrhaging to epilepsy. This powder, which could be applied as a paste or drunk with water, turned out to be the ground-up flesh of human remains of mummies. Once the secret of the brown powder and mummia, as it was known, became common knowledge, grave robbers grabbed the opportunity to make money and cemeteries were pillaged at an alarming rate. Authorities had no other recourse but to ban the use of the powder in order to preserve the dignity of the remains of the deceased after too many enraged relatives complained about going to visit the graves of loved ones and finding them empty or desecrated. Survivalist Cannibalism They're perfect examples of people eating people purely for the sake of not starving to death. There's the case of the Donner Party, who, during the 19th century, while on expedition, were caught off guard by the weather and were trapped on their journey as their food supply diminished to the point that all that remained was the bodies of the recently deceased. A more recent case of survival cannibalism was the tragic plane crash that took place in the Peruvian mountains on the 13th of October, 1972. The aircraft carrying 40 passengers and five crew was on its way from Uruguay to Chile when the pilot made a fatal mistake. He misjudged the height at which the aircraft was flying and the plane crashed high in the Andes Mountains. The crash site offered dismal prospects for survival. There was literally only sky, snow, and rock. The oxygen levels were so low the passengers' breathing was labored. All the survivors had amongst themselves as any form of sustenance was a bar of chocolate and a bottle of rum. In his autobiography, I Had to Survive, Dr. Roberto Canosa tells the story of the survivors of the tragic event. Once the survivors realized the search had been called off, it was clear that if they wanted to live to tell this tale, cold cuts would be on the menu in the foreseeable future. Unsurprisingly, they started with the pilot, since it was common knowledge by then that the entire crash was caused by a mistake he made. In the book, he describes how in the beginning his mouth would not open. Eventually the hunger would override any objection the body and mind had to make, and he ate the flesh of his fellow passengers whenever it was offered. To him, it tasted like any other kind of raw meat.
On the 12th of December, two of the members of the group decided to take a chance and packed some of the meat in rugby socks. From there, they undertook the harrowing rescue mission. They would eventually be rescued, but public jubilation turned into public revulsion when survivors divulged exactly how they survived for as long as they did. It took a long time for the community to accept the reality of what the survivors had to do in order to survive. But eventually people came to see the event for what it was. In both cases, cannibalism was the absolute last resort. Both examples occurred out of a pure survival instinct, and in both cases, survivors would later express mortification at the thought of what they had to do to survive. The truth of the matter, however, is that if they did not consume the flesh of their fellow group members, they themselves would have more than likely perished before being saved. The psychological impact and the shame would haunt these survivors until they themselves found peace in the afterlife. Revenge Cannibalism Many tribes in remote areas of South America, Africa, and even isles of Australia have been reported to consume flesh in order to satisfy the thirst for blood from the ancestors. In his book Savage Harvest, Carl Hoffman explores the possibility that Michael C. Rockefeller, son of Senator Nelson Rockefeller and descendant of one of America's wealthiest and most industrious families, was cannibalized by the Asmid tribe of Papa Eugenie. Michael Rockefeller disappeared in 1961 following a boating accident that included three other passengers. By 1962, rumors of how the young Rockefeller died began to surface, and after spending time amongst the tribe, gaining their trust, and learning their ways, Hoffman not only confirmed that Michael Rockefeller was killed and eaten, but the tribesmen identified who had his skull, femur, and other bones. According to the tribesmen, the Osmen believed that everything should be equal and in balance. If an offense is rendered, the only way to equalize the situation would be to do the same to the offending party. The colony was still firmly under Dutch control, and after four members of the tribe were murdered during a raid, the only way to have the spirits of the slain men rest would be to kill and eat the first white man they encountered. Unfortunately, that man was Michael Rockefeller. Idi Amin It was his traditional tribal beliefs combined with apparent mental illness that led Idi Amin to consume the flesh of his enemies. The movie The Last King of Scotland gives a brilliant portrayal of Amin's gradual descent into madness, which dovetailed with his increasing thirst for blood. Born and raised from humble beginnings, Amin rose to the rank of military commander. In 1965, and together with Prime Minister Milton Ubatang, he ruled the state of Uganda. As they say, absolute power corrupts absolutely, and in the case of Ubatang and Amin, the descent into dictatorship happened in short order. The formidable pair consolidated the Ugandan army's strength, both in numbers and menace. It endowed Amin with the muscle to carry out a campaign of ethnic cleansing. Any opposition the two leaders faced were quickly and viciously dealt with. 
Things between Amin and Ubutang started to sour in France while attending an international conference. There, Amin declared himself leader of Uganda and placed a price on Ubutang's head, effectively exiling him. Eventually, he would only spare those from his ethnic tribe. Those who were not counted among that pedigree were banished, often with only a day's notice. They were executed without delay. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. As his tyranny evolved, the sight of heads on spikes became more common. Amin never denied or confirmed that he was a cannibal, but he was quoted as saying that human meat was too salty for him. Amin's servant would later tell journalists that he would keep the heads of certain enemies in his fridge. During one of his formal presidential dinners, with representatives and diplomats in attendance, Amin had ordered the servant to fetch the head of one of his enemies. The frozen skull was presented to the dictator on a silver platter, and while stunned guests looked on, Amin began to berate the decapitated head. Witch Doctors South Africa's population is among the most diverse in the world. In Johannesburg, you can find not only the latest in technology and modern aesthetics, but only a mile away, you will find traditional healers selling roots for cures and men pushing shopping carts containing the heads of pigs, sheep, or cows, ready to sell to anyone who finds there is no meat in the fridge for supper. South Africans love meat and actually have an entire public holiday dedicated to braai, cookout, or as it's also known, barbecue. With 45% of people going to sleep hungry in the country, every possible part of animals are consumed. Lately, an increase in murders related to witchcraft have been identified. In 2018 alone, more than 300 murders were directly related to the harvesting of organs. When a man walked into a police station in the town of Escort in South Africa and told police officers that he was tired of eating human meat, 
Cops were hesitant to believe the man's claims. Nino Mabatha was, however, prepared to be disbelieved and promptly produced a human leg and a hand from the backpack he had with him. Eventually, four men, including two traditional healers and a recently paroled convict, were arrested after a horrifying amount of severed human remains were discovered at the house from which the men were conducting their business affairs. While many of the relatives of missing people stood outside the court, hoping to find out whether any of the remains found belonged to missing loved ones, all four men were sentenced to life in prison. In Africa, many tribes still believe that consuming human flesh, especially the genitals of small children, would cure anything from AIDS to bad luck. As long as there is belief in this archaic way of thinking, there will be a market for this specifically gruesome product. General Of all the African warlords, there is, however, one that evokes terror in the hearts of the people of West Africa like no other, that being Joshua Milton Blalye, a.k.a. Get This, General Butt Naked. Africa is not a continent that tolerates weakness. The movie Lord of War with Nicolas Cage depicts fairly accurately what life in Liberia during the Civil Wars was like. There is a saying in Liberia, by rain or by sweat, you will get wet. The humidity and stifling heat ensures that even during the seasons it does not rain, everything feels and remains clammy. The country of Liberia is unique in history and rich in resources. Currently, a relative state of peace is the order of the day. It rates as the fourth poorest country in the world, and the unemployment figure is currently at a staggering 70%. 70% of women in Liberia have been raped. The sidewalks are coated in garbage and raw sewage. It is an ugly and foul environment. As a result of the crippling poverty, women sell their bodies for as little as one American dollar just to get something to eat. Liberia's unique history is unknown to most outsiders. In the 19th century, the American government gave freed slaves the option to stay in America or go back to Africa, specifically Liberia. Between 14,000 and 16,000 African Americans later to be known as the Americano-Liberians, settled on the shores of Liberia and established the capital of Monrovia, named after the USA's fifth president, James Monroe. This would make Liberia the only country in the continent of Africa that was not colonized by a European nation. Unfortunately, the Americano-Liberians learned more than just to read and write. Before long, members of the local traditional tribes were enslaved. For the next 130 years, President Samuel K. Doe came into power, representing the tribal constitution as well. His reign would come to an abrupt and bloody end shortly after a young Americano-Iberian named Charles Taylor and his cohort, Prince Johnston, executed a military coup halfway through the president's reign starting two of the worst civil wars the African continent has ever seen. Despite his Western demeanor and eloquent communication skills, 
Charles Taylor and Prince Johnston committed some of the worst crimes the world had ever seen. It began with the president being woken up in the middle of the night and tortured for two hours as pieces of his flesh were severed and consumed. Prince Johnston captured the incident on film while laughing and drinking beer. The footage is still available out there in t internets for you goremongers who enjoy that kind of thing, but I warn you, it's disturbing. I dare you to watch it, though. I triple dog dare you. Ethnic tribal groups had had enough, and thus Liberia's first civil war began in the early 90s, and one of the fiercest rebel leaders was born. Joshua Milton Blahi was born on the 30th of September, 1971. His family's heritage was firmly rooted in tribalism, and Blahi claimed from the age of 11 he was able to communicate with Satan and that he was initiated as a traditional healer. At the age of 18, Blahi quickly became one of the most dangerous rebellion fighters in Liberia. He was fast, deadly, and ruthless. He was described by many as the most feared man in the world, and many described him as the ultimate African warrior. Not long after the Civil War began, the mere mention of the name of General Butt Naked would invoke dread and fear in villagers across Sierra Leone and Liberia. Because the warlords and rebellion leaders wanted to maintain anonymity, they adopted names such as General Bin Laden, General Peanut Butter, General Mosquito, and, of course, General Mosquito's enemy, General Mosquito Spray. Blahi earned the name of General Butt Naked due to the fact that he would enter into attack wearing nothing but his shoes, with an AK-47 in his one hand and machete in the other. Blahi fully believed that going naked would shield him from the bullets of his enemies. Incredibly, he has never so much as been grazed by a single bullet. Following him into battle was the Butt Naked Brigade, a group of boys, some as young as seven, who had been forced into joining his army. Their coerced enlistment was often made possible by murdering parents and other family members. These boys were scooped up at those ages because they were young, naive, and had no regard for their future. They were easily influenced, and Blahi would tell of how he would show his troops movies with the same actor in them, brainwashing the children into believing that people never die. How could they if they appeared in the next movie? The Butt-Naked Brigade deserve a mention because never before has an army fought a war dressed and accessorized quite the way this gang of orphaned, kidnapped children were attired. It's an incredibly bizarre and frightening sight to behold. Wearing cheap, colorful wigs, often in shocking colors, Halloween masks, handbags, and purses, which were usually stolen. The boys would attack anybody who gave them a problem, and there was no shortage of such people. The feminine attire would arouse derision in others, which led to bullying. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. 
And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. In the 1970s and 80s, a monster hunted the Connecticut River Valley. Seven bodies found, one survivor, and no suspects. I'm Jane Borowski, host of Invisible Tears. I was seven months pregnant and stabbed 27 times, and I survived. My story didn't end that frightful night. This attack on me physically and mentally lingered for years. I'm Amanda Bedard, and I'm Jane's life coach and co-host of Invisible Tears. Jane is ready to share her story, and not just about her attack, but her healing process afterwards. As a platform for truth and healing, we are on a mission to help others that suffer from PTSD and help bring awareness to mental health issues. To hear my story and others, you can find Invisible Tears wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. The warlords enforced a sense of consistent fear amongst the civilians with such tactics from the terrorism playbook, like rape, murder, and mutilation. At the guard posts, rebels would hang bones and entrails of victims all along the posts. It wasn't unusual to find a head on a spike at these entry points. Before a battle, which was almost a daily occurrence, Blayi would kidnap and murder a child usually by swimming underwater and drowning the child. He would take the body of the child to his soldiers and with the belief that if they ate part of the child's heart, they would be invincible. He would crack open the child's ribcage, pull out the heart, divide it between his troops, and drink it down with the blood of his victim. When this method of getting supernatural protection failed and his soldiers died, Blaye would just tell the group that the person who died did not believe hard enough. An estimated 3,500 children died this way. In the winner of the Cannes Film Festival's documentaries of 2011, Eric Strauss tells the story of how this Liberian warlord one day encountered Jesus, did a 180-degree turn, and now has found religion and wants everyone to forgive him for the almost 20,000 people who he confessed to killing directly or indirectly, as noted by him during his appearance in front of the Truth and Reconciliation Committee. Now he claims to be a Christian priest and insists that he should be absolved by those whose lives he destroyed. He also claims not to be able to eat meat anymore. Call me a cynic, but Blaye reminds me of a tiger, and once they have tasted the meat of a human, they instinctively will prefer to hunt for their meat. I highly recommend the documentary 
and would like you guys to let me know in the group what you thought about it. The link to The Redemption of General Butt Naked is in the show links. The Gay Cannibal To me, the title of Gay Cannibal is better deserved by Jeffrey Dahmer or Dennis Nilsson, but Anthony Morley gained this title not too long ago. To some, the actual cutting up of the meat from the bone releases a sexual impulse. Morley's actions, however, baffled everyone, including himself. Born in Leeds, United Kingdom, in 1972, Anthony Morley had a fairly uneventful childhood. With his big green puppy eyes, chiseled physical appearance, and cheekbones that can cut glass, there was no doubt that he could enter a career in the body beauty industry. And in 1993, he entered and won the first ever Mr. Gay UK competition. This catapulted him into fame, and he appeared in a couple of game shows, got some modeling gigs, and he even considered a career in dance. The body beautiful industry is, however, very competitive, and success is fleeting. Morley redirected his talents and trained as a chef, specializing in seafood. Morley was a mean drunk and struggled with his sexuality. He claimed that when he won his title in 1993, he had a steady girlfriend. It was clear to those who knew him well that he had some deep-rooted, conflicting feelings about his sexual orientation. He met Damien Oldfield at the game show God's Gift, a program that encourages dating, but the two were never paired. Damien was head of the advertising team for the magazine Bent, an openly gay publication. With his pleasant demeanor and handsome looks, he had no shortage of admirers. Morley and Oldfield had been texting for a while, and finally Morley agreed to a date, repeatedly stating that he wanted to take things very slow. On the night of the 2nd of May, 2008, Anthony Morley invited his date over, cooked them a meal, and the two fell asleep while watching the movie Brokeback Mountain. Morley claims to not remember much, but here is what he does remember. Apparently Morley woke up in the early hours of the morning from Oldfield giving him a blowjob. Morley claims to have blacked out, but evidence showed that he went to the kitchen, had a drink, took his chef knives, and repeatedly stabbed Oldfield to death. According to him, the unsolicited sex act was a total betrayal and justified the 30 stab wounds he inflicted upon Oldfield. He could not explain the rest of his actions, other than the ritual was part of his daily routine as a chef. He dissected a fairly large piece of Oldfield's rump and started cooking it in his oven. He took care in preparing the meat, using only olive oil and fresh herbs. After cooking the meat, he cut the large piece into seven smaller pieces and started to consume half of the first piece. Somewhere during the meal, the realization of what he had done sunk in, and Morley, clad only in a blood-drenched terry cloth nightgown, asked a takeaway shop owner to call the police. The Crown found him guilty and sentenced him to life with the option of parole in 25 years. Morley never spoke openly about the act. Other sexual cannibals revealed that the act of cutting up a victim would sexually stimulate them into almost a state of euphoria. 
The excitement of the act releases dopamine, which we all know releases that feeling of ecstatic bliss. It's a frightening possibility that your date sitting across from you would taste better with a dry white wine. Epilogue. Before you consider human flesh as an alternative to your usual source of protein, it is important to note the following. Human meat per kilogram contains only 1,300 kilojoules per measurement. Consider a good old Angus steak instead. If you consume human meat raw, you might contract ailments such as AIDS, Ebola, hepatitis, or whatever viral disease the host might be carrying. Cooking the meat is also not a fail-safe. By consuming human meat, you stand the possibility of contracting prion disease. This horrifying condition results in what is more commonly known as mad cow disease. In layman's terms, the proteins consumed from human flesh attack the brain by systematically reducing the brain to nothing more than a useless sponge. There is no cure for this disease, and as the disease attacks the central nervous system, the patient slowly loses all motor functions until they die. To each their own, but frankly, eating human flesh is not the ideal way to gain nutrition, take revenge, or call on ancestors. If you, however, get that loving feeling for a big piece of steak, rather go to your local butcher instead of looking longingly at your pesky neighbor's rump. You will end up in jail, might get very sick, and apparently we taste like veal, if you were wondering. Ironically, we could not find a single country in which cannibalism is a crime. You can be charged with murder, desecrating a body, or other related offenses, but no law exists that prohibits the consumption of human flesh. I still wouldn't if I was you. This episode was written by Misdemeanor. Thank you for listening to Human Monsters. Bye for now. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.